How's everybody doing? Are you guys dry out there? Turn to your neighbor and tell them how you're doing. Come on. Let's encourage each other this morning. <laughs> to all of you in the cars, can you just sound your horn for us and say hello? Come on. Come on. Praise the Lord. Well, these last few weeks, um, I've had the opportunity because of the amazing staff and team in, in the office and board and, and leadership at our church to just take two weeks off. I've, I've, uh, I didn't do a whole lot. I spent a lot of time with my kids and, and my beautiful wife and family. And I'm ready to get back to work. <laughs> Not because I don't love my wife and kids, but I'm ready. It's been really good, though, to just jump on the trampoline for hours a day and and um, really just want to thank the, the, the leadership of our church for giving me the opportunity to just break away and, and to rest and to recharge and kind of recalibrate for the, for the road ahead. Um, had the privilege of having my mom and dad drive in for about five or six days. And we had a beautiful time drinking a lot of coffee, eating good food, laughing, and just chasing the kids around. So thank you. How many are thankful for rest? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Well, I just have a, a simple, simple, simple word today. Um, if you have your Bibles, get your smartphones or your Bibles and, and turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. I was reading this over the last week or so, and I just think there's some real nuggets for us to take away and to be, to be encouraged in and to be challenged, to be inspired how many know that it's a good thing to, to, to be inspired and to find hope and courage when you come to church? I mean, you can do a lot of things on your own. You can have an amazing prayer life and Bible reading and personal worship and devotion. But how many know God loves when we come together? And he loves to inspire his people, to give them hope, to give them courage, to strengthen them. How many know we have a task ahead, that there's a hill to climb, there's a mountain to scale? Come on, there's a valley to cross, there's a river to cross over. How many believe that? That the Lord has something for us in our time as a church, as the people of God in America, as the people of God in this time. He's got something for us. If you agree, say amen. Well, I want to draw your attention to this story. Um, in the time of the divided kingdom of Israel to the north with Samaria as its capital and and Judah to the south with Jerusalem as its capital, there's this whole litany of good kings, bad kings, mostly rebellious kings, and the Lord is always faithful, no matter how wayward his people went, to raise up a prophetic voice, to raise up and to hold the line to those who hold power, to be faithful to the covenant of God, even if it cost them their life, and some prophets paid with their life. And during this time in 2 Kings chapter 5, Elisha, who is Elijah's predecessor, before Elijah was taken from him with the chariots of fire into heaven, he asked for a double portion anointing to rest upon him. And Elijah looks at him and he's like, you're asking a difficult thing, but if you can see me when I'm taken in glory, the double portion is yours. And so Elisha, if you do the math, he does have about twice as much real estate and miracles and power in his ministry. And so this is Elisha, the prophet of God to Israel. 
During this time, there is great compromise in the land. There is great and rampant complacency and idolatry. The days are pretty stinking dark. Does that sound a little bit like the days we live in? And the prophet, like so many prophets, they're not received by their own people because their own people are annoyed with them because they continue to confront them with the things they know to be wrong, but yet they, con they continue on in their rebellion. So prophets have a pretty bad reputation. Can I get an amen? They just have a way to get under your skin if you're in rebellion because they keep calling you back to repentance. They keep calling you back to the covenant of God. And how many know that the Lord really does want to raise up prophetic voices in our land and in our time that continue to call us to the gospel, continue to call us to be obedient to God? How many want to be a prophetic people that just stay on the line, that we don't move, we don't budge, we don't blur, but we stay right there in the center proclaiming the lordship and reality of King Jesus? So this is the context. Now the northern kingdom Israel in this story they haven't quite yet been exiled by the Assyrians. That'll happen in 722-ish BC. But there's been some raiding par parties from surrounding nations who've come to, to take some Israelites to the north in exile. It's kind of like a pre-curse to the ultimate curse of their sin and rebellion. How many thankful that we get to experience <laughs> pre-curses to the ultimate curse? God is so good. Okay. And so in this story, some Israelites have already been carried away by the Syrians or the Ar Ar Arameans, Arameans. And so that's the context of the story. Give me a thumbs up if you've got enough context to read this thinking story. It's just, it's breathtaking, this story. I think it's for today. All right, here we go. Get your Bibles out. Or your swords, as Brother Robert likes to call it. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man, say great man, in the sight of his master. And he was highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And let me just stop right there. The Lord gave victory to a foreign power because of the lack of faithfulness of God's people. Where is that in our theology? Anyway, that's crazy. The Lord gave a foreign king and his commander who was valiant victory over God's people. How many know God is not to be messed with or trifled with? Can you say amen? Okay. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Say that with me. But he had leprosy. He is mighty. He has power. He has a position of prominence. But he has leprosy. How many know that even in the, the greatness of the human intellect and the the technological advancements and the scientific breakthroughs and the putting a man on the moon, for goodness sake. I've been watching a documentary about the great breakthroughs in civilization that as great as things we can do, we have leprosy. There are things that we cannot solve, fix, or find a solution to in and of ourselves. If you agree, say amen. There's this great man, great victory, but he's got leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. Oh. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. 
By all means. Go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. (laughs) A wardrobe makeover, everyone's favorite. You can pay me in clothing. Anyway, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Before we go any further, I want to draw your attention to something very significant. The hero of the story, in my opinion, is not Naaman, this great ruler. It's not the king of Aram. I don't even think it's necessarily Elisha, the great prophet. Here is a young girl who is in exile. She's away from her home. All the things that she knew as cultural norms, the comfort of home, the the law, the Torah, the sacrificial system, all of those things that would you would think inspire and provoke someone to have great faith and courage. She has none of it. Come on, somebody. She's in a foreign land under a foreign power, but she knows, she remembers that back home before she was stolen and taken, that there was a prophet, and at the prophet's word, there is power for healing that is released. I want you to see the glory of the gospel in the Old Testament right here. That the Lord takes weak vessels who know where the power flows to do great and mighty things. It's the word of a tiny little servant girl who is in exile. It's, you could not see a more relevant picture today for, for us in America, the church. She's by the secular cultures pushed into the margins and the sides. And instead of complaining and griping and we lost our place at the center, what if we rediscovered that the power was never about where we were placed in culture? It's who we're connected to in the culture. And here's, oh, my ribs are hurting. I haven't preached in a few weeks. Sorry. I'm not kidding. (laughs) And the servant girl remembers, I remember a prophet back home. And instead of being bitter and grumpy and sad and angry, she lets this pagan commander ruler in on the secret that there is a solution to the problem that you can't fix. Come on, somebody say amen. There's breakthrough for the thing that you cannot heal. And it's at the word of the prophet back home. This little slave, servant girl, in exile, has a word for power. She knows where the power's at. How many know we're in a great day where power is shifting, where the narrative is confusing and chaotic. The church needs to discover again the the privilege of what this servant girl provokes us to believe for, which is to say this, we may not have all of the grand answers to all that ails our culture, but we know where the power is. It's at the word of the Lord. We know who holds ultimate power. So as soon as the king, verse 7 of Israel, read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow king send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? And I want you to know that when we don't have prophetic perspective, we will name enemies that God might be sending as friends. I want you to see that if we're not walking in the spirit of wisdom and revelation, we will misdiagnose those messengers that God may be raising up to provoke us to come back to fidelity to His covenant. 
The king of Israel who's walking in compromise does not see this letter as it really was, which was, hey, I'm sending one of my main dudes to Israel. I've heard you got a prophet. He wants to be healed. But the king of Israel, because he's not walking in obedience to God, he's not able to receive or to perceive what God is up to right under his nose. Come on, has anyone ever been there where you've misdiagnosed the problem? You didn't see what God was up to because of the compromise in your heart or life or my life or my heart. And so he kind of gets offended. Look at the king of Aram. It's not enough that he came and took some of our people and he sends raiders to our lands and steals our, our crops and our people. Now he's provoking me to heal and to do something that I can't do. And I want you to know that right now the world is looking to that which the church has to offer. I got one clap. That's fine. I got, I got a horn. I got a horn. That's worth 10 claps. This is, a, this is passages for today. It's commentary for today. The king does not understand what he possesses in the prophetic voice in his land. The king does not understand what is under his very nose. The one who has the solution, the one, the people of God who are meant to have the blessing that Genesis 12, all nations are blessed through your obedience and fidelity to my covenant. Friends, I want you to know that God does not have a plan B to us. His glorious purposes for the end of the age, but through His people. How many want to be a part of that people? I do. I want to be a part of it. As weak as I am, I may be that servant girl, but I at least want to know where to point people to the spout where the glory pours out. I love it. Look at this, verse 8. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his robes because he realized, oh, great, I don't have a solution for this king's request. He sent him a message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know. Say that with me. He will know that there's a prophet in Israel. Listen. There will never, ever be a substitute ever, ever, ever in the kingdom of God for the people of God than simple obedience to the ways of God. There just will never be a substitute for it. We, like I said, we may not have all of the answers to the complexities of our hour. In fact, we probably don't. But I love the, the simplicity of this story. How many like simple? How many know that simple does not equal easy, but at least it's simple to comprehend on a surface level? Elijah sent a messenger to, to say to him, I'm sorry, verse 9. We're almost done with the story. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. The prophet has a solution, and we all said amen. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he surely would have come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. 
Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Here's this foreign commander, great in exploits and power and prominence in this northern, this, the Syrian people and Arameans and he comes to the prophet and he has in his mind what he thinks the solution is, but he's met with something radically different. Come on, somebody say that our culture, we may, the new cycle may change every few hours, but the solution will always still be the same, anchored to the one who is the answer sent from heaven, the word made flesh, the one full of grace and truth, the one who through his blood has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves, Jesus Christ. And it's, I love this picture that as, as, as scandalous as that might be in our cultural moment, when we're pressed with what is the hope, what is the solution, friends, there is still no force or power on the earth that has the capacity to renovate the human heart and the glory of the gospel of King Jesus. There is nothing that can take enemies and make them friends like the love of Jesus. Come on. There's nothing that can take someone who is inwardly, selfishly bent and turn them into a servant, one who's generous and hosp hospitable to neighbor. Go and wash. Naaman is offended at the solution offered by the prophet. Has anyone ever been offended by something God has ever told you? <laughs> I got four honest hands, but I guarantee all of you are in that group. When he comes, I, I love this so much. We're, we're, obviously, we're in a YouTube, Instagram everything glitz and glam culture and we're we're all hoping for some big I love it he 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 had in his mind this huge extravagant thing but he's offended at the simplicity of the solution offered and I've been to the Jordan River and it is dirty <laughs> and it's freaky <laughs> there's all these tiny foot sucker fish it was freaky ask pastor Andrew later it was murky gross and there were sucker fish I don't know what, what they're even called but it was the weirdest experience ever so I understand Naaman's complaint and look what God does who was the hero in the first part of our story the servant girl and thank God for servants what does it say next Naaman's servant went, went to him and said my father if the prophet had told you to, dis, to do some great thing would you not have done it how much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? I mean, imagine if the prophet Elijah was like, I want you to one hop around. <laughs> for four kilometers. Then I want you to scale Mount Gerizim. Come on, how many know we all do this with God? We think that he's more impressed by the big, flashy fancy than the small, humble yes. We are just like Damon. Oh, I want to give God the huge sacrifice. I want to do great things, that the great changes that our culture needs. And my life is if I do this, 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 and this, and the Lord's like, nothing moves me more than your wholeheartedness, period. Than you just saying yes to me. On my terms, on my conditions, nothing moves me more. 
And how many are thankful for Naaman's servant? What I'm trying to provoke us to do, we're in this kind of moment where there are problems surrounding us that no man or woman has a solution to, but the church knows the answer. And I want to highlight the heroes of the story is not, in my opinion, Elisha. It's the servant girl and now Naaman's servant. These little weak people on the fringes of the story, but this is the glory and the scandal of how God operates in the world. He takes the 1 Corinthians 1.26, weak, not noble, unimpressive, uneducated, Acts 4.15, believers with their yes, He can unleash the reality of heaven on the earth. This is what God does. This is what He always has done. He didn't choose... Israel, because they were numerous, just read Deuteronomy 7. They were few in number. God chooses that which is weak, overlooked, ostracized, and on the margin. He says, perfect candidates to unleash my purposes on the earth. How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleaned. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored... And he became like, a, like that of a young, clean, like that of a young boy. Who's ever seen a baby run out of the bath? I've never seen it. So if you've seen it, tell me what it's like. I love this story. How many know we need to be washed? Come on, raise your hand if you say we need to be washed. We... We, I, I, listen, I quoted James 2 earlier this week on one of my prayer runs. We serve a God who forever will release mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. How many believe the Lord wants to wash our city? He wants to wash our nation with mercy if we'll just dip in the water. <laughs> if we'll just do what He says. If we'll go where He says go. If we'll stay where He says stay. And we do not appeal to God based on anything we've accomplished. Remember, name, name this great, powerful man, but he has leprosy. America, this great, great nation, but we need the mercy and cleansing of God in our time. Do you agree? Say amen. A great cleansing, a great washing at the word of the prophet. Then Naaman, I, this is the best ending, and all of his attendants went back to the man of God, and he stood before him and said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but to the Lord Yahweh. But may the Lord forgive your servant for his one, this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimmon or Baal to bow down, he is leaning on my arm. I have to bow there also. But when I bow down in the temple, know this. May the, of, of, yeah, you get it. May the Lord forgive your servant for this. In other words, he's still in a cultural reality that he's the servant of the king. He's a good man. And his king is still following Baal, the 
foreign gods of the nations surrounding Israel. He's so zealous to want to be faithful to Yahweh, the God who has power to cleanse and to wash and to heal at the prophet's word, that he says, I'm asking for preemptive forgiveness. My heart is not after the foreign gods. I'm going to serve your God. There's no other God but Yahweh. I mean, who does that? Yeah, who does that? <laughs> who preemptively thinks through their future to know the complexity of their situation? He says, prophet, can you just tell me that I'm going to be okay? I don't have, it's complicated where I live up north. But I love your God. He's the only one who could heal me of my leprosy. How many know that there is a way to be faithful to God even in our day? How many believe there is a way that even if you, at your workplace, at your home, at the market, in this climate of chaos and rage, there is a way to stand, stay, and walk in the way that is pleasing to the Lord God? He's made a way. Come on, someone say, He's made a way. So forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elijah said. The heroes of that story... Humble opinion. Servant girl in exile. She didn't forget who she was even in exile. Come on, someone say, we cannot afford to forget who we are in Christ. No matter what's surrounding. Come on, someone say it. We cannot forget who we are in Christ even in exile. Even when the fabric, you know, like on a rug where it's frayed and it's beginning to splinter and, and even when it feels like Psalm 11, the foundations are, are shaking and they are shaking. Goodness. Even in light of all of those things, that we serve a God who has power to save, heal, wash, restore, and deliver. The hero is the servant girl. And then secondly, second hero is the little servant to Naaman. How many know we need in this hour God to raise up a voice that has the counsel of God for our time? Here's this little servant. We know nothing about his background, unlike Naaman, the great powerful commander. But it's the servant who points him back to the solution that he was already seeking. But he thought was too simple. How many know at the end of the day, I was thinking about Micah chapter 6. The prophet, again, difficult prophetic assignment, writing to a rebellious people. And the prophet kind of has this conversation. Actually, I'll just read it, and then we'll be done. Micah chapter 6, if you have your Bible. This has always gotten me so, so big. Starting with verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Has anyone ever thought long and hard, what does God require of you? Raise your hand if you ever thought of that. How do I please God? How do I make Him happy with me? Raise your hand if, if anyone's ever thought that. How, how do I please Him? How do I do what is right? How do I obey? All of us. All of us. What shall I come before God? Shall I bring before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? 
Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Read it with me. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. How many know as chaotic and confusing and complex that there is a simple word that is anything but easy, but simple that the Lord wants his people to adopt? Amen. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Like the servant girl, even in exile, we know who we are. We know who holds ultimate power and authority. Like the servant, even when we see those around us not accepting the counsel of God, the wisdom of God, the solution that God has offered in His Son Jesus, we can continue to point people, dude, He is the one the nations will put their hope in. See in our heart, we can forget who we are, even when the answer is right in front of us. That Jesus himself in Luke chapter 4, after he quotes Isaiah 61, and after he offends his whole hometown, <laughs> claiming to be God's Messiah, he's like, look guys, there were a whole bunch of lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, but none of them were healed. Not one person on the inside received my provision and power because they were blinded to what I had for them right under their nose. How many would say today, you want to receive the provision of God for your washing, for your cleansing? You want to receive and be reminded by the Holy Spirit of who you are as a royal ambassador of King Jesus himself. I love it. Listen, guys, I, I promise you, we are going to be shocked at the end of the age. Maybe you won't be shocked. By how much our little yes, our small, what we thought insignificant service to the Lord and his kingdom moved God and moved God's kingdom project forward. One small act of service, hospitality, humility, and faith when we see his face. One little thing, knowing who you are. What if you are that servant girl in your workplace? What if you are that servant girl who knows where the power is, the so that guy or girl? You know and you hear the diagnosis around you in the workroom or in your family or, or in your home. Or it, what if the Lord has placed you there to announce and point to the one who has power to actually change a situation, to change a life? And I know you're, you know, who likes to be called a servant? But I'm telling you, our King, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many. And in this hour, friends, in this great hour, yes, your sons, as Pastor Andrew talked about, you, we are royalty, we have a father, we have the robe, we have the ring, amen. But how many know that our King, this royal, majestic, he reveals his glory by giving his life away for the sake of the other. How many today want to just be marked with just a fresh yes in your heart that God could, could yeah, 
that God could accomplish his great purposes wherever he has you planted. Could you just stand to your feet? I want to pray for us. This is our hour. The Naamans are looking for solutions. <laughs> Those in great power, great positions. At the end of the day, we cannot ultimately usher in or materialize or actualize what is really needed in our moment. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But how many know the Holy Spirit does his thing through vessels that are yielded over to the Lordship of Jesus? Just say amen if you agree. I love that picture of Ephesians chapter 1 that God raises up his son with resurrection power. And then he sits him at his right hand in all power and authority and every name that can be given. And then it says that Christ in all of his glory fills all things through his people. Say that with me. Christ fills all things through his people. Ephesians 1.23. That's us. That no matter what happens and rages around us, you and I can stay in that posture of yes. So just put your hand on your heart. Father, I pray that we would just continue to be encouraged to live out of that posture of yes. I thank you, Lord, for this story of 2 Kings 5. I thank you, Lord, that there is a God who has power, who holds authority in his hand. There is a God to whom the nations will bow and to whom the nations belong. There is a king on a throne who can never be voted out or voted off. And Father, I pray that we, your people, no matter what happens around us or what direction that the culture seems to be going and polling, that Lord, you would remind us of who we are in Jesus. And I thank you right now that each person in this room is uniquely placed for your purposes in this hour. Whether it's in their workplace, their family, their job, their home, their neighborhood, their circle of influence or friends, Lord, you have sprinkled your people, not randomly, but very intentionally, so that we could serve as priests unto God right where we're planted. And so, Father, I pray just you would inspire, that you would provoke hope and courage and a tenacity that no matter how dark or heavy or difficult it may look or feel, we would never forget who we are in you. And that we would never forget that we have access through Jesus Christ to the very source of all power and authority, washing, cleansing, healing love through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would just strengthen the yes in the hearts of our people today. Strengthen the yes in my heart. God, I pray that we would experience the glory, the glory of acting justly, loving mercy, and just walking humbly with our God. Father, I pray that you would look upon an entire church and you would see like the widow who all she had was a few pennies in Mark 12, but her all out yes offering moved your heart more than the thousands that were cast into the offering plate. Father, would we become that church by your grace that just offers what we have and trusts you to do your part. 
So right now, Lord, I pray that you would remove any heavy yokes of those things like Naaman where we don't have a solution for. I pray that you would loose the solution in Jesus' name. I pray that you would loose wisdom and counsel and understanding over your people in this hour. Father, we pray that we would walk in that anointing of the Holy Spirit. That we would know, listen, 1 Corinthians 2, we would know the very thoughts of God for this hour. How many want to know His thoughts? How many want to know? How many want to be instructed by the counsel and wisdom of God? Lord, I pray that you would release wisdom and revelation over your people. That we would not be caught up in the frenzy and the chaos of culture. But we would be those people who live out of the voice of our King Jesus who, who it says in Hebrews 1 and 12, he still speaks even to this very day. So Lord, I pray for the spirit of discernment to come upon your people in this hour. I pray that, Lord, we would have that ability, John 10, to discern the shepherd's voice even when there's millions of voices raging around us. Father, we thank you that your voice and your word leads to eternal life. And so, Father, for anyone listening, anyone watching today who hears that voice, for the first time or for the hundredth time, Lord, would you lead us into eternal life today? Would you lead us by the streams of your great mercy and love? And like Naaman, would we experience the cleansing and the washing of your beautiful word today? May we be clean. Father, I pray that like Naaman, we would have that all out yes. There's no one else who has power. He's the God I'm serving. Lord, would you loose a revival in this hour? where the power and the beauty of Jesus is seen and all of our allegiance and affection would be given to him. Father, start with us. Start with us. Start with us. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen. Praise God. Read the story. I love you guys. Have a wonderful week.